Hey, welcome to Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. A show where we talk about brews, news, and pop culture pop news. Co- yeah, that's right. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. All right. Cool, 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 cool. All right. So, uh, this week we are popping Lizard's Breath open. Lizard's Breath from Firefly Hollow, a brewery in uh, Connecticut. Right Bristol, here in Bristol. All right. Pretty local. Mm-hmm. We haven't been there yet. Uh, we've actually got this kind of goal of hopping through every brewery in Connecticut, but uh, we're, we're doing pretty good so far. Just haven't made it there. For a small state, Connecticut has a lot of breweries. Which is awesome. I don't think we're ever going to run out. I think yeah. even when we get close, there'll be 20 more to take its place. Exactly. It's like the brewery Hydra. <laughs> now, this is, like we said, this isn't the first time we've had it. It's actually one of our absolute favorite beers. Uh, can I tell you a secret? This is, is my favorite IPA. Oh, uh, okay. It's not my favorite beer. Uh, we'll get we'll get to it. <laughs> but it's certainly my favorite IPA, I believe. Had it for the first time a few years ago on your birthday, I believe. It was my birthday lunch with my parents, yeah. <laughs> so what do you say? You want to crack it open? Let's crack it open. Ooh, oh, got some foam there. Now, um... Uh, as we were saying, this is an IPA, specifically an American IPA with a massively hoppy profile, and uh, clocks in at 6.6 ABV, which is pretty good. I mean, you're not going to get drunk off of it, but you get a nice buzz going. You drink enough of anything, you'll get drunk <laughs> off of it. Now, direct from the Firefly Hollow website, uh, the description is... That this brew showcases the bold and dank characteristics of Columbus and Simcoe hops, balanced by the soft citrus and floral nature of Palisade and Mandarina Bavaria, which isn't really a hop that I see listed very often. Is that why it's... More unique? More unique. Is that what gives it maybe it's... I mean, I'll tell you, it, it's a little nutty. Is that what gives it its nuttiness, maybe? Maybe. Uh, a lot of the... Notes that I see popping up on descriptions include ruby red uh, grapefruit, pine, and earthy resin, which I guess would lend itself to the nutty uh, notes that yep. you're talking yep. about. Hints of tangerine. I do love tangerine. Which I get. And a, a lot of the reviews mentioned lacing, and I was like, well, what the heck is lacing? I don't. And I can tell you right now, I'm seeing some nice lacing on your glass there because it actually refers to um, the, the foam residue from the head of the beer. Um, so it's more of an aesthetic factor when you're judging beer. Um, and I know when you went to bartending school, you attributed that to the cleanliness of the glass. And that is a contributing factor, but it's not the only factor. Uh-huh. Um, there are other variables. Uh, most importantly, the protein in the foam or the protein content, which is determined by the types and the, of uh, hops and malts that are used in the brew. And the lacing is also impacted by the mashing and boiling process um, because bringing it to the proper temperature during the fermentation process affects the carbonation, thus affecting the head of the beer. Gotcha. Interesting fun facts. And uh, that all makes it delicious. It is a fantastic beer. Uh, A few more fun facts about the beer from straight from the can. Uh, if you haven't seen the can or the logo for Liz's Breath, you should look it up. I'm sure it's online. Um, Liz's it's Breath by Firefly Hollow. It's a gentleman's lizard. 
<laughs> drinking out of a very stem, a very fancy stemless wine glass, and uh, he's just he's just chilling, drinking his his lizard's breath uh, beer, while also his breath stinks, and there's a big cloud of smoke. I'd have a drink with him. He's he he could tell a story or two. He's a very interesting <laughs> lizard. Maybe the most interesting lizard in the world. Ooh. Stay thirsty, my frogs. <laughs> They're amphibians. I got that wrong. I'm sorry. All right, but here's you. the write-up, as the Lizbreath can says. Have you ever smelled a lizard's breath? You will have wished it was half as enticing as our lizard's breath IPA. This IPA's attractively offensive aroma of pungent resin, pine, and citrus is artfully layered into a frothy and complex malt structure. Lizard's breath is deceptively delicious with just enough bite. And if you want more information on Firefly Hollow Brewing, you can actually go to their website at fireflybrewing.com. They're also available on Twitter at Firefly Brewing and Fire, uh, Facebook at Support Firefly your local Brewing. breweries. All right. So uh, let's move on to some pop culture news, huh? Do you have anything for us that uh, is not about Michael Jackson, R. Kelly, you know? <laughs> well, I've got a question first. Yes. Can I keep drinking my lizard's breath while we talk about it? <laughs> Please do, because I will as well. I wouldn't be cracking one open without it. All right, my first thing, pop culture news-wise, kind of ties into one of my other podcasts I do about video games with my brother. Oh, yeah? Uh, but What's that? Well, there's a certain video game character near and dear to my heart that's getting his own video game franchise, or movie franchise now. He was in a video game, now he's getting a movie franchise. A movie? Have you ever heard of a little character named Sonic the Hedgehog? Uh, indeed. <laughs> well, have you seen the new photos of Sonic. I cannot say that I have. So there are pictures of Sonic that have leaked. Most people think it leaked on purpose to see how the internet would react. And the reactions are, uh, well, not great. (laughs) I mean, I think the best reaction I've seen online is, well, it's not as bad as he could have looked. Oh, that's promising. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is the best of all the comments I've seen. (laughs) So... I've seen him before. I saw him a couple days ago when this leaked, but you haven't seen any photos yet. No. So I'm about to live in front of this microphone show you some pictures of the live action Sonic the Hedgehog. All right. Get ready. For a dumpster fire? Fantastic. What in the world? Really? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) there are really uh, no appropriate words. I don't. This is not my Sonic. Hashtag not my Sonic. <laughs> this is nobody's Sonic. Nobody <laughs> nobody asked for this abomination. Ew, that's worse. Uh, this is the artist. She's now looking from the screenshot from the film to an artistic rendering. This is These are the photos that leaked first. This would be on the promotional imaging for all of Sonic. This is on the level of like Garfield being brought to a CG movie. This is bad, people. I've got one more. This is the render shot. This is your this is your real full body look at Sonic. <laughs> oh, please close that window. I can't. No, this is Sonic. This is Sonic the Nopog, and you will look at him and gaze into his glory. Oh no. You know what I don't like and anybody who hasn't seen it, it's hard to find the images because uh they have restricted them. They have taken them down. Womp womp. But it's probably for the better. Consider yourself lucky. They're not hard to find these pictures. He's blue, (laughs) at least, but his original beige 
hairless skin areas are now white, furry. His hands no longer have gloves. His shoes Ugh. seem to be Nike. I don't know if they finally got permission. In the early renderings, it looks like he's got Nike Nikes, but later and that, on... That looks like Puma. Yeah, he does not have official shoes on. His legs are no longer hairless either. They're blue. And maybe it's appropriate because he's a runner, but he's got some jacked legs. Yeah, those quads, though. Yeah, it's less runnery and more... He does a lot of squats. It's... yeah. He's really... Sonic deadlifts. He's beefy. It's a beefy... <laughs> maybe that's what I hate about it more than anything else. This Sonic is beefy. He doesn't look like a runner. Right. He should be thin. He should be lean. Knuckles is the beefy guy. He's mm-hmm. the punching guy. That's... I don't know. Um, that being said, I have a lot of hope for this movie. I, I like the cast. Jim Carrey is going to be playing... Dr. Robotnik, a.k.a. Oh, that's good. Dr. Eggman. Okay. I hope he's wearing a fat suit. I'm on board with that. Suit. I think everybody's <laughs> on board with that. And then James Martin's going to be the mayor of, or not the mayor, I think the sheriff of Green Hill Zone. Okay. And I like that they're using Green Hill Zone as a place in America, yeah. but it's also at level one. I think that's kind of clever. Yeah. If not a little cheesy. I like that. Neil McDonough. Dono? Dono? Shit. <laughs> Cut this. We'll edit this part out. <laughs> Fix it in say, post. How do you say his name? Anyway, so Neil McDonough <laughs> plays a character, but it's unnamed right now. No one knows who he plays. And Ben Schwartz from really? Parks and Rec is going to play Sonic the Hedgehog. Nice. Now, to be honest, I like him. Mm-hmm. I think he's funny. I think that works. He's very dry in uh, his delivery. Why can't we get Jaleel White back? True. He's an actor. Can't we get him back? I want Maybe Urkel. he's busy. Urkel is Sonic the Hedgehog to me. If if Sonic talks, I mean, I know the video games have had Sonic talk and it's not Urkel. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the cartoons, both cartoons, I believe, were Jaleel White. And that is, to me, Sonic the Hedgehog. So to really bring in the, the newer and the older generations, they, would, sh- they should have brought. I would really have yeah. liked that back. Um, but Ben Schwartz is a good choice. Uh, Tika Sumter's also in this as, again, an unnamed character. <laughs> Um, I have a lot of hope. I hope this movie is good, but Sonic the Hedgehog just doesn't look great. And it's, it's tough because it's, how <laughs> do you bring, be hard to get past. how do you bring this guy into the real world when he already kind of looks way too cartoony? Yeah. So I get, I'm, I'm kind of on the side of it could have been worse, but there are things they could do, uh, to fix it. And I get that it maybe is a little tough to do right now. If you leaked the images, Paramount Pictures... You know, if you did that to get fan reaction, listen to the fans. Yeah. Uh, some of us, I have been growing up with Sonic. I'm a few years older than Sonic the Hedgehog. So it was one of the very first memories I have is playing Sonic as, lo- as well as Mario. It's one of the only video games that I had growing up like with Sega Genesis. It's one of the few that I remember playing. Exactly. So listen to our opinion. He should have gloves. Please. <laughs> Give us some, give us a little some nudity. Give us, show us of, a little skin. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's got skin in his arms. He's got skin in his legs. Everybody knows that when you don't put that on, it looks awkward. Yes. That being said, there are some things I want to say I do like. Okay. I don't want to poop on it exactly. I like his green eyes are still there. Mm-hmm. His little black button nose is there. It's cute. I'll uh, give it that. I don't mind the furry belly. And I like his, I like the fur in general. I like how his hair is very spiky and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They didn't try to make him too and, porcupiney. And he's not just a flat color either. He's got a little bit of color like mixed in there, almost like highlights would right. be. Yeah, it looks like light blue it's or white. slightly more realistic out. in that way. Yeah, so 
I mean, I like it. He's still pretty cartoony instead of like crazy realistic, which is mm-hmm. another. I saw a post, I think on Twitter, somebody put a picture of Sonic and just put squares of human body parts on him Ooh. to make it look like a mismatched like magazine <laughs> cutout person, which was really creepy. But also, <laughs> that was his his thought on this Sonic. But I thought that's what I was afraid it was going to be, and I don't think that's this extreme. So I'm okay with that. Okay. That being said, it's still a little off-putting. It's going to take me a while to get used to, and some changes could be made. Yeah. But that is uh, our first look at Sonic the Nopog. <laughs> I'm almost more interested to see what Dr. Robotnik's going to look like, to be honest. That's true. I want Jim Carrey to be full-on fat with a So you don't think he's going to be mustache. CG at all? You're going to have to do a fat suit or something on him. Okay. But I want my Eggman to be egg-shaped, <laughs> and I want him to have... I want him to have that floating thing, maybe. Oh, it wouldn't be Dr. Robotnik if it wasn't. If the end of the movie isn't him chasing after Sonic with the Green Hill Zone Act yes. 3 wrecking ball, at least device, at some point in the movie, I'm going to be very sad. Uh, but I do hope this movie does really well. I would like to see a lot more Sonics that pull from more of the Sonic lore. In terms of cartoony games, Sonic does have mm-hmm. a lot of lore, a lot of characters to pull from, and like a history with with the story as opposed to maybe like Mario Brothers where each one could almost be seen as standalone. Sonic does have a history of characters and their relationships with one another that I'd be interested in. So if this were to be a successful franchise, potentially, what in the future, what characters would you like to see have their own movies? I'm a Knuckles guy. <laughs> I want Knuckles. I know my brother Alex, uh, the other the other half of Two Player Bros, is going to want Tails. And I'd be shocked if they don't at least tease Tails in this movie. Mm-hmm. But I would really love Knuckles. I've always been a partial to Knuckles Chaotix, which is a team where Knuckles is on his floating island. Mm-hmm. And there's Espio the Chameleon. I like I like Chameleon, so I always liked Espio. But I just really like Knuckles as well. He's always been my favorite character. He's red, which helps. True. Uh, I like red. And um, his character arc is for a cartoony Sega Genesis 16-bit video game that had no dialogue. <laughs> Very interesting. I hope it the best. I hope it, I hope it goes well. I just think Sonic maybe is going to take some time to get used to. That's fair. And I think uh, we got one more piece of news. Oh, yeah? What's that? I think it's somebody's birthday today. <gasps> we got a birthday in the house. It kind of hurts me to say this one, though. Uh-oh. It's uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer's 20th anniversary. Oh, ah. Uh... This might be more painful, but I'm pretty sure it's the 22nd. No! <laughs> it's a good thing I got beer. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. March 10th, 1997. Dear Lord, I was 10 years old. Ugh, that is... That is sad. But, happy birthday, Buffy. Thank you for being you. Great show. Trailblazing show. I loved it. Oh, yeah. I didn't... Honestly, I didn't catch on to it until later on, but I watched every rerun on FX every day before school. Like, ugh, so good. I missed season one, which was on... Syndicated for some reason already on uh, the Warner Brothers channel before... During the daytime, so I was mm-hmm. able to watch season one while concurrently watching season two. Oh. That's like the equivalent of binge watching now. Yeah, it, <laughs> Basically. Was, it was as close as you could get back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was able to catch up and I never missed any episode of it. It was great because you didn't have a lot of strong women on TV at that point. 
in terms of action films. And Buffy was badass. She was badass. So I mean, was Willow. So was Tara. Every female. Well, Tara to a certain extent. Tara later on, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And it was like before then you had Xena. Mm-hmm. And she was definitely a very strong character, but she was more in a cartoony kind Mythical, of world. Mythical, yeah. Um, Buffy felt, <laughs> despite the supernatural elements, it felt more real because they were in high school. We were... Eventually the same getting age. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was I couldn't great. wait to get to high school. <laughs> Date your 300 year old vampire at 16 years old and then have him turn evil. Um, wah, wah. The allegories are great in that. Joss Whedon wrote a great show. Uh, he continues to write great, so good. great characters, great female characters, despite maybe what he does in his personal life. Yeah, well. He's quite the champion for women's rights in um, ent- the entertainment business, which is great. So happy birthday, Buffy. Happy birthday. I'm eagerly awaiting the reboot. I'm excited for it. Yes. I wasn't excited when they said it was going to be a reboot, but when I learned it was going to be a follow-up, it like the events of Buffy the Vampire Slayer series would still continue, mm-hmm. I became more excited about, okay, it's a continuation of the series, so I'm excited about where that show would go. Agreed. So what's up next? Well, I thought we'd take a little break from the pop culture weird and talk about All some... Right. Weird science. Ooh. Anything in particular? Well, there's something I uh, just found just today, actually, that I thought was very interesting. Bring it on. So apparently there are scientists at the University of Massachusetts Medical School who have successfully injected nanoparticles into the eyes of lab mice. Oh, that have let them have night vision. Where the hell can I get eyes like that? Gotta kill a few people. Okay, I can do it. Then you gotta get sent to a slam where they tell you you'll never see daylight again. <laughs> Basically, these nanites anchor themselves to the photoreceptor cells and upconverted the near-infrared light into visible light. So basically, they can now absorb light that was infrared and make it visible without, oh. by the way, affecting how they see visible light. So it's not like now they're blind in real light. Okay. They're just super strong. That No weaknesses. All the strength, none of the weaknesses. So basically... <laughs> There's no garbage they won't be able to find and eat. <laughs> these mice will find those mice traps. I'm picturing these mice in tactical gear. <laughs> Maybe they've got some bulletproof vests, some combat boots. Well, they certainly don't need the night vision goggles anymore. <laughs> uh, and apparently in the article I read, um, which is from Gizmodo, basically says that there's no reason it wouldn't work on humans. If it worked on mice... now. Granted, I don't know if I want anything injected into my eye, though. Right. So it only lasted about 10 weeks and then it wore off. So you have to plan. <laughs> you know, if if it's a temporary thing, then what reason would any civilian have to get this operation unless they're doing something pretty nefarious? <laughs> uh, I would want it just to have it. It's really cool. You know. In our apartment, ladies and gentlemen, we have to, the light to turn off the main area of the apartment is pretty far away from the bedroom, so you have to turn off the light to that 
main area and then turn on your flashlight on your cell phone or risk <laughs> banging your foot into something and then get into the bedroom at night. So, I mean, if I had those night vision eyes, I could just turn off the light and be good. That's true. Never bother you if I get up to go to the bathroom. I mean, honestly... Let's be honest. I get up a lot more than you do. So let's inject your eyes. <laughs> now, the only reason they're not doing this is because they don't know about the long-term damage to it. Okay. Um... But I could use some shine just in case I crash on a planet um, once my prison transport crashes and me and Johns have to fight off a bunch of uh, that would be a lot more convenient in the dark. That was a really bad version of the aliens. I'm sorry. We're going to put in a, a natural sound clip from the aliens there or And something. you'll never know the monstrosity that I tried to replicate. Oh, no. We'll put it afterwards <laughs> so that they know even uh, even more how bad you were. But if you haven't seen Great. Pitch Black, see it. It's really good. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, while I'm drinking my beer and I got some beer left, I want to tell you guys about uh, what I've been watching lately. Yeah. What's on the tube? I've been watching a show on Netflix lately that I, I actually, we watched the first mm-hmm. episode of, Peaky Blinders on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, this was recommended to me, well, a Netflix kept trying to get me to watch it all the time. Oh, yeah. It was always a recommended thing on their, their channel and their apps. But uh, my buddy, Mike Field, who I do a podcast with called Forgotten Cinema, kept telling me about Peaky Blinders and how good it was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I said, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And it did look good. There was really no reason for me not to watch it. Other than there's just so much on Netflix and Hulu. Cannot keep up. There's no way to watch all the shows. So we watched the first two episodes. Okay. You and I. <laughs> if you say so. You don't remember. You fell asleep. <laughs> it was late at night. I said, I'm going to watch I this. And you said, okay. So I watched the first two episodes far more awake than you. And I remember <laughs> them. And that was a while ago. Now I finally finished the first season. Mm-hmm. And it is a fantastic show. Uh, for those who don't know about Peaky Blinders. It is a show that takes place in 1919 in Birmingham, England, and it centers around a gang called the Peaky Blinders. And the main character, Cillian Murphy, is the middle child. Is it Cillian or Killian? I've always pronounced it Cillian. Maybe it's Killian. But then again, Killian's Irish red is spelt with a K. Yeah, that's true. All right. Listen, Mr. Murphy, if you're hearing this, I'm a huge fan of your work. Don't take that (laughs) personally. I mostly know you by the characters you play, which I think is more of a compliment because you really absorb yourself into those characters. Yeah, he really embodies the characters that he takes on. So he plays Thomas Shelby, the middle child of the Peaky Blinders. Okay. And when he comes back from the war, World War One, obviously, he kind of assumes the role of leader of the Shelby clan, of the Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. And he's got an aunt, Aunt Polly, they call her. She's kind of the de facto leader. She's been around. She has stayed... Um, in the city, in the country, in England, the whole time that they've been at war. So she has her ears and eyes on everything. She gives him, she's kind of his advisor, his consigliere, if you will. Um, even though it's not an Italian gang. <laughs> What's the Irish translation? Uh, the Irish translation, I think, is Aunt Polly. <laughs> then you've got your older brother, Arthur Shelby, played by the underrated Paul Anderson. He is fantastic as the older brother. He is all types of emotions. He's both proud of his younger brother for assuming the role, jealous of him for assuming the role, sad that he didn't assume the role. He is just playing all kinds of emotions. Interesting. So he's great. Obviously, Mr. Murphy, 
Again, I'm not going to say his first name because in case I butcher <laughs> it. As Thomas Shelby is also amazing. He is a calculating, cold calculating person who has seen the horrors of war and he has fought for his country. So he might be a gangster and stuff like that, but he loves England and he has fought for it, almost died for it, and 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 killed for his country. Hmm. And he wants to bring the Peaky Blinders into a new age, into a more powerful age. And the the pilot episode essentially he finds himself the owner of a whole shipment of weapons meant for the front. And uh, I don't think it's legal. <laughs> nope. He takes those and hides them, which uh, brings in an actor near and dear to my heart, Sam Neill. Lovely. Alan Grant. <laughs> who <laughs> plays Inspector Chester Campbell, who is under orders from Winston Churchill, a younger Winston Churchill. Ooh. Who wants those weapons back? And Winston Churchill at that point is still has eyes and ears everywhere and tells Sam Neill's character, tells Inspector Campbell, whatever you need to do, get these back. And Campbell, who didn't fight in the war, who both the police and the Peaky Blinders don't respect for that, mm-hmm. he never fought, uh, has some very draconian methods of getting the information he wants. And he's not above torturing or killing for his information. So Cillian Murphy. Killian Murphy, Mr. Murphy, has to <laughs> go against Sam Neill to find out, have a battle of, of wits with Sam Neill's character, Inspector Campbell, over the guns and who really owns Birmingham, if it's Peaky Blinders territory or if it's police territory. And the show is fantastic. It's written in, um, some of the episodes are directed by Stephen Knight. The show is, mm-hmm. is filmed in areas around England that actually look and feel like old England at that time. Oh, that's you awesome. can see the Industrial Revolution, you see the old factories, the way it's lit. There's horses, but there's also a couple old co- cars. The, I wonder where they actually filmed it to get that grittiness. There's got to be old historical sites they probably just got permission to film on. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it's definitely green screen in the background. Some of the bigger buildings you see being built, you see some factories and cranes that definitely aren't there anymore, <laughs> but just look amazing. The costume work is so cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Peaky Blinders dressed impeccably with their outfits and their little their little hats, newsboy hats, with blades hidden in them. And I wouldn't mind going to work every day dressed like a Peaky Blinder. I think it's really cool. <laughs> you do love your uh, spiffy suits. And I haven't gotten to it yet, but season two has Tom Hardy. Later mm-hmm. on in the show, they introduce Adrian Brody as an Italian mobster. So it's got a lot of guest stars. And it's just a fantastic show, and I guess it's going to all lead up to, I just read the other day, Stephen Knight wants to do seven seasons, or series, because I think it's in association with the BBC, Mm -hmm. uh, BBC Two to be exact. The seventh season would end the show at the one of the air raids over London in World War II in the 40s. So the show is going to span a 20-something year time span, over 20 years. So you really see maybe the rise and fall of Thomas Shelby, or maybe just the rise of Thomas Shelby, but it, it's well, very it interesting. Well, if it spans that amount goes. of time, too, you can probably anticipate the introduction of a lot of new characters. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're only... Which season, will keep it interesting. Season 5 hasn't aired yet, at least not on Netflix. So it's still got three seasons to go. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, plenty of characters and, and different stars, and it's just a great show with quality above most that I've... A lot of stuff I've seen on Netflix in terms of costume design, set design... And the music is very good, too, because you do get 
obviously compositions and score, mm-hmm. but you get some modern music as well, including uh, the Red Right Hand. Oh yes, song which, which... I really like. That is the title <laughs> song, which always starts with a uh, scene that has no sound. That's how the episodes always begin, and that song plays. Okay. Then cut to just the slam of the Peaky Blinders title, and then the episode begins. So oh, it's that's so it's good. really good. So check that out. Definitely. So that's what I've been watching. What have you been? Uh, what have you been watching lately? Well, to be completely honest. I was not planning on watching this show because I it looked like the advertisements were pretty cheesy for it, but I decided to give Pen15 uh, a try, which is a brand new Hulu original. Uh, I think there's 10 episodes, so right now I am two episodes deep, and basically it's set in the year 2000, and there's two main characters that are just about to set to start uh, seventh grade, so... In essence, this show is about us. Um, I mean, we, we were both born in 1987. We were both entering seventh grade around 2000, 2001. So I figured, all right, I'll give it a shot <laughs> just for the nostalgia factor. But I got to get it out there right off the bat. It's obvious to the point of being like distracting that all of the classmates in the show are they look like they're actually seventh graders like they're 12 or 13 years old and the two main actresses are 30 they're our age i mean they were writing this show as if they were back in seventh grade themselves um and it's (laughs) it's hard to get past so it's almost like like a show that does like a flashback where they still play their own character but it just extended to the point of awkwardness yes of our comfortableness (laughs) exactly i mean like I said, it's really, it's well played, but these actresses could barely pass for high schoolers. It's it's as bad as CW tries to push it, if not for the huge nostalgia factors. And I will admit that the, the dialogue is surprisingly good in terms of the slang that was appropriate when we were in middle <laughs> school, um, as well as the actual exchange between the characters. It feels genuine. Okay. Um, and it also... <laughs> It kind of works in that there's a lot of crude humor, so the fact that the we know that the actresses are a little bit older makes it feel a little bit more acceptable that it's that it gets a little bit raunchy. Um, I would compare it almost to Broad City uh, if it was in middle school. Um, also, Broad City is an excellent show. Highly recommend. It's in its <laughs> fifth season, I believe, right now. Um, but that crude humor is also balanced out by these, by these really sweet moments of friendship. Like, there were a few times that I actually found myself, like, going, aww, out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Much to my own chagrin. Um, but yeah, I mean, the nostalgia is... It almost makes the show worth it in and of itself. The soundtrack, look out for Mandy Moore, In Sync, Lifehouse, Lit, and this is all in the first episode. I do like Lifehouse. <laughs> I'm a big fan. And Lit. We saw them in concert. We did. The costumes are very timely. They look like the clothes are straight out of a Sears catalog, like something your mom bought for you. <laughs> or Is, uh, is everyone wearing baby blue? There's a lot of baby blue. Now that you mention it. it makes sense. <laughs> I swear I had some of the same shirts that the two main characters, Maya and Anna, wear. Um, there's also awesome set and prop work, like very specific magazine cutouts. If you remember um, J14, anything like that, like those magazine cutouts are what I had on my wall. 
um, trapper keepers, macrame necklaces that you made at camp, the best friend necklaces where it's like a heart that's cut in half. Everyone's wearing the jelly watches, um, Keds and Converse and K-Swiss and Air Jort. Like it's they, they really went all out in recreating the 2000s feel, which is awesome. Um, but getting a little bit deeper, I would say that it's a lot just going by the first two episodes, like I said, it really highlights the importance of having a best friend as an anchor in middle school, especially when you're not necessarily in the popular crowd like me. <laughs> There's a, a couple moments in the in the second episode, I believe it was, where you really connect to the pain of not necessarily realizing fast enough when it's time to grow out of certain quote-unquote childish things um when you're in public if not just for the purpose of like self-preservation in your social circle <laughs> you know not maybe not play pretend with dolls anymore but the the sudden shock of that feeling i still remember uh the, the moment i learned that was when i gave my friend for one of his birthday parties mm -hmm. Uh, badass action figure from the uh, Lost in Space movie that I really wanted. And I was like, oh, he's going to love this. And uh, all of a sudden, figures aren't cool not, anymore. Yeah, I was, uh, oof, I learned my lesson pretty quick. That hurts. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I will say, you know, I, coming from a background of going to Catholic parochial school, very small, very in a bubble. Um, Episode two took a very hard turn for me in in the content of that episode, because I literally like even through high school, I was never offered cigarettes, alcohol, <laughs> anything of that sort. Welcome to public school. Yeah, like I, I never had that. So I, I was never cool enough to, to be invited to a, a makeout party or anything like that to the point where like part of me wondered if that was made up <laughs> if that was just a made up like trope of middle school <laughs> shows <laughs> now uh straight out of a an article from variety i think really nails the heart of what i want to get to in describing this show it says quote i've never seen a tv show that nails the truly bizarre experience that is being simultaneously overconfident and incredibly insecure teenage girl like Pen15. That's it in a nutshell. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll keep you guys updated as I keep watching, but for right now, I'd say it's worth a watch. Check it out. Uh, where can we watch it? Hulu exclusive. Nice. <laughs> Maybe future sponsor? <laughs> Hulu, pay <laughs> us money. So, I think that about does it for uh, Cracking One Open. Wrapping up our first episode. I'm going to drink some more of this lizard breath for a second. <laughs> I guess I'll uh, do a couple plugs before we go. Oh, yeah. So, once again, my name is Mike Butler. And I'm Elise. And this has been Cracking One Open with Mike, Mike and Elise. Elise. <laughs> I've got a couple of other podcasts going on. I've got Two Player Bros, which is a podcast by two brothers who play way too many video games. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah, join me and my brother Alex as we talk about every preview and review for games on PC, Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation 4, and more. And we give you the latest news in video games, tech, 
and all that good stuff. Maybe even some retro games. I've also got Forgotten Cinema with my buddy Mike Field, mm-hmm. where we go through some older films that, for whatever reason... Some hidden gems. Yeah, got lost to the sands of time. Anything that came out from today to yesteryear that, for whatever reason, either were watched and forgotten about or never were seen. And we talk about why that is and why they deserve maybe a second chance. Interesting. Thank you for listening and be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts can be found. Be sure to like and subscribe and uh, maybe give us a rating. We'd really appreciate it. And you can always visit us on com. Yeah.